Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast, where we go deep into the ever-evolving world of modern financial services with the people making it happen. I'm your host, Tearsheet Editor Zach Miller, and in today's episode, we're diving into the digital banking landscape, its transformation, and how financial institutions are adapting to this new ecosystem. Joining me is Tim O'Connor, Principal at Deloitte in the US, Practice Leader in Digital Banking and Payments. He's also responsible for Deloitte's investments in assets and product around banking. In this conversation, we'll explore the journey of modern banking technology, from its monolithic roots to the more dynamic and composable ecosystem we see today. We'll discover the driving forces behind this transformation and how supply and demand have played a role. Tim will share valuable insights into the approaches banks are taking to adopt these new technologies, from creating entirely new digital brands to coexisting with legacy systems. We'll also touch upon the global perspective as we draw lessons from Europe's experiences in the digital banking sector and explore how these insights are shaping the future of banking in the United States. We'll also plumb the Deloitte Banking Suite, a solution that's accelerating modern digital banking propositions. Tim will share how this software streamlines the often complex and time-consuming process of building a modern digital bank. Stay tuned for a thought-provoking conversation that will shed light on the present and future of banking technology. This podcast is part of a four-part series we're doing with Deloitte's financial services leadership on the trends shaping our industry today and out into the future. Now let's get started. So who are you and what do you do? Hey, Zach, I'm Tim O'Connor, principal at Deloitte here in the United States. Uh, I look after our digital banking and payments practice, and I'm also the responsible partner for all of our investments in assets and product around banking. So I have a lot of banking questions here for you, Tim. And the most of like, if we can zoom out maybe 50,000 feet, like how has banking technology and platform landscape evolved? And I'm kind of curious about how the players within it have, have also evolved to the new ecosystem. Yeah, I think you said ecosystem there at the end. I think that's like the critical, you know, thread to pull on about where, where the market's at and what's different, right? If you think about the history of banking, just like a lot of industries was kind of big monolithic providers and players. And, you know, the research will tell you that banking has probably been in that model much longer than almost any other industry. Um, we've seen really constructively probably, you know, since the, obviously the, the hype cycle around digital and experience-based pieces for the last, you know, 15 plus years, a tremendous amount of investment around kind of actually how to think about unpacking the kind of monolithic box and start to actually get things into smaller, more appropriate kind of composable pieces. And you've seen that really accelerate in like the last five plus years, where a set of kind of next gen core platforms that started to kind of fit into a really nice model to create, you know, a, a bunch of composable based solutions so that banks can pick and choose different vendors, right? That best fit the experiences and product propositions that they want to tackle, the things that most matter for their customers and do things that are really authentically about them. And so we see that explosion of um, composable based approaches. You know, might hear people talk about, you know, business product, you no know, platform architecture based approach. We see that as kind of the common thread of how people are leaning into this. And it's really enabled by these next gen platforms, these new gen three kind of cores, as well as a set of fintechs and different players that fit into the totality of the bank systems architecture and, you know, a tremendous amount of adoption and momentum in that space right now. So you said it was it was driven by a couple of things. I'm kind of curious, like supply and demand, maybe it's the chicken or the egg, but like, you know, w- was it that banks uh, 
were looking for this or was or was the technology kind of ahead of it and, and, and pulling the banks along? How, how do you see that interplay? A little bit of both. I mean, yeah. banks have been challenged for years to innovate and, and do more, right? <clears throat> to, to start to meet customers where they're at from a digital expectation and show a lot of flexibility and nimbleness in terms of their products and how they serve people, right? And I think have struggled to be able to to meet that that demand in the marketplace. Um, and quite haven't quite had the right assembly of technology to make that you know feasible for them. Um, but the the maturity across the layers of the stack in the last few years has gotten to a point where it's actually achievable. And that stack requires like you to have just enough capability within every layer from a cloud standpoint, from what we got with from the data from these core platforms and kind of the ecosystem based players how you approach, you know, integration, how you think about the future of experience. If you try and tackle it with just one of those layers and one of those pieces, it's going to be sub-optimized. You're not going to be able to meet the real needs of the, of the market. But we see the tech really nicely maturing across every layer of that, of that stack now and people are able to take advantage of it. So there's a nice kind of alignment of the push from the marketplace and from the banks name that stuff into the tech nicely maturing across those layers of the stack to be able to achieve those ambitions. Yeah, it almost feels like there was a great acceleration on the tech side over the past few years with all the money that yeah. came in and new company formation, these platforms that you're describing, next-gen platforms. Um, and it feels like it's it'll take a few years for the banks to kind of assimilate all this, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's an awesome opportunity, right? Like, they get this opportunity to, to, to really kind of, in almost in a greenfield way, like kind of reimagine how they're set up and the technology they assemble to be able to serve you know, their existing market and they're playing for the future markets, right? But there's a thousand different, different decisions, right? And it's a little bit of a whack-a-mole game in terms of, you know, <clears throat> make this decision here, the implications to how you coexist with your legacy and how you think about the mm. assembly of the entire thing, right? And so from a Deloitte standpoint, we think, you know, that's one of the, the, the you know, value propositions that we bring is, you know, we've been there, done that, have a lot of kind of muscle, right, from working with many clients in the marketplace as they go through those same strategic choices, and then because some of these things are, you know, if you're the individual bank, you got to build it once and then, you know, some pretty significant upfront capex to build that first piece. And then the return, you know, can be, you know, you know circumspect at some point, but we can show up with more things pre-configured, you know, more things already figured out. So the initial capex bubble can be more contained and you can get to value much quicker. Yeah. I think it's such a fascinating time that we're in. Like I saw there was news yesterday at SoFi, you know, which started as a, as a digital app was like trying to get into, you know, the, the investment banking industry, you know, like against yeah. other Wall Street banks. And, um, and you're seeing, you know, the, other, the same thing happening in the reverse direction of incumbents trying to, you know, be more nimble and maybe with, you know, sidecar brands and, and moving into doing yeah. things like that. I'm kind of curious, Tim, how you would kind of uh, consult us on, on how to think about like a modern technology stack and, and maybe we can go through some of the benefits that that stack has. Yeah, I mean, you kind of teed up on, hey, convergence across industries and across, you know, segments is a big driving force of all this stuff. And the the modern architecture fits really nicely into that model, but also fits really nicely into traditional models, right? Um, you know, I teed up in that first question, you know, so much of the the opportunity what's happened in the marketplace is tied to this ecosystem-based place, but really underpinned by these, you know, Gen 3, you know, platforms. And Gen 3 platforms are, you know, modern core banking solution that's like born in the cloud, right? And it's headless by nature, right? So it's intended to be that piece, which is a you know a really thin ledger, a store of value, transaction facilitation, and really kind of contained to that piece of the overall bank architecture. 
-hmm. that gives you a lot of flexibility of how you think about the assembly of different pieces on top of it. So you make your own choices about, you know, how you actually, you know, manage and distribute cards, how you think about servicing and the different pieces around that. And so that ecosystem-based model, right, with a much thinner core requires more sophistication and I think kind of technical elegance, how you think about integration and how you leverage event-driven architecture to best kind of plug into the ecosystem-based model. So we preach a lot about kind of the standardization of how you approach that how you think about, you know, extraction from the historical individual vendor lock-in so you don't kind of fall into the same traps that you just came out of, right? And how you think about, you know, balance of, you know, orchestration-based patterns and choreography-based patterns. And then that allows you to do things very differently from a customer and experience standpoint. You see, you know, continued and sustained material investments for mobile and web development. We think there's some really interesting thing happening within frameworks for mobile and web where you know flutter as an open source framework that allows you to develop across natively across you know android ios and web so you can code within one uh, code line and deploy across each of those natively mm-hmm. gives you a tremendous amount of synergies as you think about what used to be three teams now which is one team and, and the ability to assemble all of this in a kind of a smart way we think is the the the, the structured way how people are approaching this marketplace and how things can get you know really interesting from the overall modernization get into a stack that's you know elegant really scalable and extensible so you can innovate and run a really safe and sound bank i liked what you said about the um the vendor lock-in piece that you don't want to recreate the same issues that that were there before and i guess by making the pieces more um granular and more composable um it's easier to mix and match i guess is are you seeing that yeah exactly i mean you got some real discipline if you think about the definition of your your logical data model how you approach integration because it's easy to fall back into the adoption of a vendor specific, um, you know, data model and how they define APIs and, and, and move data in and out of it. And so we really lay out, um, you know, an industry standard based view of we think about integration of data that we gives you a backbone of which you can then assemble different solutions and kind of avoid that really tight coupling between a single vendor and kind of the logical aspect of, of the future modern bank. And, you know, we've seen the results of that where you know, people able to flex out and you know swap out different vendors because of you know business changes performance issues or just even market relevant stuff as they roll out to different geographies and it creates a lot of flexibility and extensibility in that space right i guess it also enables you to take best of breed across across yeah. platforms yeah yeah I'm, so if i'm a client i walk in i walk into tim sitting in your office and i'm asking <laughs> you about like some of the approaches to platform transformation or maybe i want to build a digital bank like can you take us through some of the approaches there? Yeah, I think, I mean, we think about this in like almost three different archetypes. Um, you know, something that's kind of on the edge, more on the, the leading differentiation piece with more innovation as a, an edge-based proposition. And that's generally, you know, thematically similar to the challenger banks that you see, you know, globally, Europe and APAC, about someone's, you know, creating a brand new brand and proposition that sits really outside of the the existing brand and existing bank tech and operations. Mm-hmm. It's deliberately done that way so they can build, you know, from the ground up brand new, you know, everything born in the cloud and the full assembly of that, including the brand and the identity of that piece being really different. There's some tremendous value within there because you get the opportunity to, to push the edge of innovation, to really stress what you need to do from the best of breed of this kind of future modern architecture, prove that stuff out in a way that doesn't have a lot of the legacy antibodies, right? Now, there's significant cost challenges with that, and there's also a, hey, once that's done, how do you prove that's going to work in the context of the legacy bank and what that looks like? So 
that's always kind of that edge base you know, archetype way over here on the right hand side. In the middle, as we see this kind of emerging you know, priority for a lot of banks, which is a coexistence space model, right? And so it's like, hey, listen, we, we recognize different layers of this you know, modern stack. You know, we've got to and are making you know, material big investments uh, to push the envelope forward, right? But we're not ready to kind of bite off um, the full migration and we're not, you know, we don't see the financial viability of an edge-based proposition or the usefulness of it, a proof point of that can actually show us the, the future of our, our bank from an innovation or a modern stack standpoint. So with coexistence, we'll figure out kind of the right pieces of that modern stack to, to build out, <clears throat> how that fits into the existing legacy architecture, really think about, you know, deploying brand new product and propositions within that coexistence model, prove that out over the course of time, and then in success, you know, successful iterations, lay the foundations for a halt, a core type of model, so that the existing legacy bank, you know, the course of years can be migrated into that new stack. And the far left-hand side of this is there's still a lot of traditional migrations, right? There's still a, you know, smaller, more simple-based businesses, uh, simple product and propositions, um, you know, belief in a proof point through intensive research and POCs that they've got the right selection for the set of vendors that they want to go to. And they're going to commit to a full migration of, of the full stack or the core pieces. And we see smaller institutions still going down that traditional migration pathway as well. It's interesting. As I don't know if this is correct, but as we were talking, my, my brain started working and this idea of like cordoning off sort of the new digital brand, it's a testing ground. It's um, there's some learnings that will then be imported back to the mothership, I guess. But yeah. it, does it also work in the other direction? Like, you know, the bankers who've been doing this and tried and true, like, are they also exporting their expertise into this new entity too? Mm -hmm. I assume yeah. it's bi-directional. Absolutely. I mean, to be successful, it's got to be right. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you got a bright, shiny object that doesn't work in the context of how banks actually work, how, you know, the intel insights about the customers that make a bank really successful today fit into that new world. So at every institution where this is successful, there's a real model of how bidirectionally, you know, this is feeding in a virtuous way back and forth with each other. And that's actually in the coexistence model, you see a lot of that coming together really succinctly, which is, you know, people who are living this every single day who have a lot of the battle scars for like, you know, why legacy decisions were made either in tech and operations or in the business, given insights about that stuff and then have really, you know, smart, you know, and deep understandings about what needs to be fixed to drive real value for the customers and for the bank itself. And that helps you to then prioritize where you're going to make those investments from a coexistence standpoint. In your last answer, Tim, I think one of the interesting things that I picked up was when you were giving examples of how this was working, you mentioned Europe, you didn't mention the US. And I'm kind of curious um, what we can learn from Europe, you know, and bring back to the US um, to make these this transformation more successful. Yeah, I think, I mean, the US is catch up, catching up, you know, dramatically right now. Mm -hmm. It has been for the last couple of years, but post-financial crisis, you know, Europe had some uh, regulatory changes that made it much more friendly and open from a fintech and challenger bank standpoint mm. and established, um, you know, open banking standards that created, um, you know, a nice model for open banking and standardization around APIs and, and data across different banks that opened the door, right? Opened up ecosystem-based plays, opened up opportunity for fintechs and saw a lot of adoption of those of European native challenger banks, right? And they've had tremendous amount of success, right? Um, in Europe, not so much success coming over the United States, but technically in how they approach that stuff, there's a lot of lessons from that stuff. And so we've seen the, the lessons from that coming to the U.S. marketplace 
not only from the tech and how that works right and the the cycle of investment into players that are both existing in Europe and now coming to the US or US versions of those of those players really taking hold but really critically we've seen you know really great lessons from the the business challenges associated with those institutions so how do you think about the economic viability of these investments how do you ensure this fits kind of the really the right fit from a US market standpoint and so we've seen the U.S. market be really smart and structured about how they mobilize around this, right, with a, a strong sense of what it really takes to achieve this, what it takes to operate this, and a sound business sense of how they approach this. Right. It definitely feels like we've moved beyond um, those headline, like, customer acquisition numbers to really, like, can you build a viable, with unit yeah. economics at work, can you build a viable institution yeah. here? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean... In the in the reality of the of the economic environment we exist in today, right? When you know, have to, yeah. you have to be focused on that. And and the challenge model has proven out to be really interesting in terms of, you know, the assembly and the birth of a lot of awesome new tech and operations and how you think about these businesses. And I think what we'll see is more traditional banks be able to adopt the smart, good pieces of that from digital tech and operations to fit into their banks, but do it in a viable way economically and regulatory and compliance wise. It always plays into the incumbents. Um, it typically falls into it plays into the incumbents' benefit by waiting a little bit to watch, let how things yeah. let, let and watch how things play out. You don't have to be the first, you know, off the diving board. Yeah, and they've been, yeah. and U.S. banks have been paying attention. I mean, they've been watching yeah. this for for many years, being smart and structured about how they explore different, you know, sense different fintechs, different you know vendor platforms that make sense to them. And has been dabbling with different pieces. Also, like there's been initial investments in different pieces of the ecosystem, right stuff. So, and there's a level of maturity that exists now, right, within that ecosystem and these next-gen cores that you now see a tremendous amount of direct investment into this space in the U.S. marketplace, right, which is nicely aligned to, you know, the lessons that people have seen from the challenger banks in Europe and the European and APAC-based innovations. Totally. Um, so I want to ask you about the Deloitte banking suite. What, what is that and, and how it enables and accelerates modern digital banking propositions? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I teed up... Hey, modern stack's got, you know, this layer of architecture to it where everything's modular and everything's composable, right? And so what we've done from a, a banking suite standpoint, you know, over the course of many years is say, hey, there's there's this really awesome new world to be one for banks, right? There's also a thousand different decisions to make. And there's tons of like under the hood investments that you gotta make that aren't directly tied to, you know, meaningful client value, right? And so what we spend a lot of time in is, you know, laying out what the future of this design and architecture should look like, right? So we've been in this market globally, we've been in this market in the US and have, I think, a really strong opinion and POV about how this full stack needs to be assembled, you know, the pluses and the minus of different flavors of what that looks like and kind of build across that as the, as the blueprint for this stuff. And then we tackle it across that entire stack with, you know, vendors that we partner with in, you know, our own solutions that we stitch into the solution in a highly composable and modular way. So whether or not that's from a cloud standpoint, from a next-gen core standpoint, <clears throat> the ecosystem vendors that you assemble around these next-gen cores, the way that we approach integration and built out you know, pre-existing journeys and, and full end-to-end -end customer flows from consumer and small business to the development of really rich front-end experiences for mobile and web. From a banking suite standpoint, we show up and say, hey, listen, you know, if this typically takes you know, X number of hundreds of thousands of hours to complete in a new kind of brand new edge-based proposition build out, we've already got 50% of that stuff solved for you guys, right? It's because we've been there, done that, and been directly investing in, you know, these white space areas where there's no obvious solution, as well as the pre-configure of every layer of that stack. 
you can take advantage of that. Tim, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs>